Welcome to the Higher Energy Superpower. This is episode 7 of the Turbo Duo Cast. Duo. I am your host, Salvatore Mata. And with me always is the smooth, the sultry, the sexy, the very celibate, Trenton E. Wright Third, Esquire. Thank you, thank you. I emphasize the celibate. Yeah. Forgot the hetero life mate. <laughs> so you know any ladies out there if you're you know possibly interested in locking down this hey ladies big hunk of man or guys i don't want to i don't want to discriminate that yeah know? we can't do that um i don't want to exclude anybody no you know? i heard i heard all are welcome i heard there were a few ladies that might be interested or not, not interested but we're talking about you in well a i very, haven't heard yet in a very favorable light <laughs> you know very a very favorable light. Like, yeah as long as they see me in a dark light <laughs> no, no 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 it was just you know trent's looking you know very handsome very you know no one's ever said that you were but, talking to my mom weren't you uh my mom <laughs> your sister your mom right and uh my wife that's fine um a couple of uh quick notes here uh, Rupee joins the uh, the Turbo Duo. <laughs> Rupee. Uh, the Turbo Duo has acquired a, uh, a canine friend uh, just a couple weeks ago. So we've got uh, Rupee joining the joining the posse. You can see that on Instagram. He's uh, uh, guiding all of our our gaming a guiding light so gaming decisions from here on forward. Hold on, let me sip my tea. Oh, there it is. That's good podcasting oh, right there. Man, it's a cinnamon blend. From Harney and Sons. Harney and Sons over at Target. Very, very well-made teas. A uh, couple of show notes for, for last time. So last podcast was on Beavis and Butthead. Um, <laughs> I said I said the word amazing 13 times. <laughs> you actually wrote I listened, that down? I listened to the podcast to see how many times. I had like a clicker with me to tell tell me how many times I, said, I said the word amazing. So that I'm going to try my best to do less than now, 13. Who that's your thing, though. Less than 13. Be amazing. Sal Mota. Mm. Um, we had a question about uh, Raiden or Raiden and how to pronounce it. There was no question. From who? Well, who? how, how would you say to pronounce it? Raiden. Like Mortal Kombat. Okay, it's Raiden. not. It's not. It's Raiden. Raiden. It's not. It's Raiden. I looked this up. So I go by whatever Mortal Kombat tells me. Again, why you're at where you're at in your life. <laughs> For reasons like that. Hey, I'm Letting happy. Mortal Kombat decide your decisions. <laughs> I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> I'm glad you're very happy. But uh, so Raiden is a, kind of like an amalgamation of two words real quick. Rai, which means thunder, and Den, <laughs> which means lightning in, J- in Japanese. So it's actually pronounced Raiden. I never knew that. For 20 years, I've been Allegedly. Raiden. You keep saying allegedly when it's backed by research. Mm-hmm. Still alleged. I also said that that Raiden didn't have music. I thought, and that's not true. There's a lot of Raiden talk, huh? 
Listen, Raiden's a good game. We've got a long way to go then. Listen, <laughs> we're Ra- just talking about Raiden okay. and how to pronounce it. Well, we're we're going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, for anybody who who is unsure about getting into shooters because they're sort of ominous and they think that they're going to be too crazy, Raiden is a good place. That's kind of like in the early middle of in terms of like difficulty, where you can actually play it and have fun and get through a good portion of it without feeling like you're getting punished. So you sure. Know, it's just one of those things. Raiden's a good game to uh, to play if you've never played a shooter before. Um, also, so uh, Raiden. Oh, we're still talking about Raiden. Well, no, Raiden had music, but there were aye, there aye, were aye. Jaguar games that didn't. Cybermorph. We're going. We're getting into Jaguar talk now. <laughs> All right, let's just throw these notes out. Trevor McFur. <laughs> no one knows that game. Doom. Besides us. <laughs> Doom. And Alien versus Predator all did not have music. The more you know. <laughs> um, there was also some talk about games that we thought were sevens. So I'm just going to run through this real quick. Um, Ita- Italian Job. First of all, Italian Job came out 5-3-2002. Very late. Very, very late. Like PS1 had already been out for like a year. So the Italian Hand Job must have came out on the PS3. 2007, definitely. Uh, yeah. uh, it, was, it got a 73 on Metacritic. That's a seven. Mega Man Legends, seventy-three on game rankings. That's a seven. Super Dodgeball, seven from Nintendo Life in two thousand eight. Because the it that's was, a it seven. Really. G Force, seventy average on game rankings. That's a seven. Gex two, PS one was an eighty-one and sixty-four was a sixty on game rankings. Yeah, but if eighty and sixty-four, you add those up, it's one forty-four. Divide that by two, that's a seventy-two. That's a seven. Scarface, seventy-three on Metacritic. <laughs> Boom, sevens. <laughs> It was not 1080i. It was it was 720p. But Enter the Matrix was 1080i. Oh, okay. So, and if any Keanu Reeves, yeah, he's relevant now again. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, we didn't go to the Sounds of the Underground on July 8th. We went June 25th. Okay, that's that is <laughs> that is under protest. Okay. No, went, that's this one's not alleged. This is it's that's when we went. All right, guys. So, so next so topic. We we got it. We got in a little heated uh, texting battle. Back and forth because as in you did, and I was just like, our, "This is the day we went." Yeah, one of our listeners told Tim told us that my man's in them told us that June twenty fifth was the Sounds of the Underground, and the only reason he it knew doesn't really matter, but no, yeah, but concert the, archives said it was on <laughs> July eighth. Yeah, the only reason he knew is because return Return to the Pit. They're the ones that take photos from like every show, and they were there. Who's and they, Return to the Pit? It's an Instagram uh, page. Well, there's a website. They they like keep photographs of like every hardcore show from back in the day that were in new england because they would go to all the shows and they post them oh. and uh that just june 25th was last week and that just happened to be they happened to post it that day like the day after we put the podcast out and he saw that and he sent it to me and i was like oh yeah mm-hmm. that's the day because I, I you know i i questioned it because you said poison the well wasn't there and i was like they definitely were well they, the, were, on, and, they and, were on the tour yeah and we didn't see, yeah there was different bands on some different dates and then madball wasn't that the one we went to either so, but either way, it can, was a hard show. I can only follow what the research has. And Concert Archive said on, on, on June 25th was was Guar and Opeth in their own show. Well, yeah, that's why you so can't why do... So uh, why would I trust that date? Yeah, well, that's why you can't do research on the internet. Right. I, I'll, I'll break out my microfiche <laughs> next time. I'll go to the local library. I'll break out a microfiche. Cite your sources, for you. sucker. Speaking of citing your sources, uh, what did not get a seven, going back a couple podcasts, Road Rash 64, 5.5, 4.5, 4.5, 2.5. Is this turning into like the Dave Meltzer report? I'm just saying. <laughs> somebody gave Road Rash 64 a 2.5. Yeah, they were for EGM, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck Dave Meltzer. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a wrestling podcast. Quit your wrestling. That's kind of what it is. It's like, oh, this is a four-star game. Four stars, four stars. How how could you give Road Rash 64 a 2.5? They must have had... it's probably some uh, conspiracy. They had something against the Road Rash I, series. A, a 2.5? They got paid off to give it a bad review. <laughs> 2.5 is, like, unplayable. I understand what a 2.5 is. That's that's Superman for 64. I don't even know if Superman's a 2.5. <laughs> I would give Superman, like, a 4. Like, Bubsy. Bubsy uh, Bubsy 3D is oh, probably Bub- a 2. Bubsy, Bubsy 3D. That's you're saying Road Rash and Bubsy 3D are the same game. It's uh, Heresy. Yeah. Heresy. Uh, time for our uh, modern retro moment, which moving forward, we're calling our it's still real to me, damn it moment. <laughs> um, and this is going back a, a couple weeks ago now, but E3 did happen. And I just wanted to, to make a couple comments here going back to some games that are sort of in the in the retro scene that have gotten new life in, um, in modern gaming, which is really cool to see these throwbacks coming back to to old games either from the 8-bit or 16-bit or 32-bit era that are getting new releases or even whole new games. Um, the Kind of the big one that everybody talks about and has known about is Link's Awakening, which I don't know if you ever played that on Game Boy. Uh, Link's Awakening. No, it was, I only... It was the right no, around Link of the Past. No, I know. Yeah, I only played the Super Nintendo one, but I know it was looked very similar to, to that one. And I know that yeah they're remaking it on the Switch. It right? looks it looks really really good. Yeah. I mean I like that graphical style. It's almost like that. Uh, it's not top down, but it's not side to side. It's almost like elevated just a little bit, and still got that kind of room to room movement. Yeah. Um, it's like it's one of those Nintendo cute games, but one that has a lot of charm. Ooh. So I I actually I just played through Link's Awakening maybe four months ago on Game Boy, which I never play through Game Boy games, but it was one of those. I hadn't gotten my Nomad back, you know. I needed something to play in bed. <laughs> yeah. Hadn't popped a Blue Chew yet. Right. And uh, Link's Awakening was kind of an attraction. Did you have a little magnifying glass Popping. light on it, too? No. Cause oh, I, oh, you didn't play the OG Game Boy? No, because I play it on the on the modified Game Boy Advance. Oh, right, right, right. So I get the... Yep, the get, backlit. I get the popping backlit mm-hmm. color. Um, but So I'm really excited about that. That comes out on September 20th. And, I mean, can it be bad? I don't think it can be, but... It's, I doubt it. What's funny about like those Game Boy games is when you look at like a very, very early Game Boy game, they look more rudimentary than I would even say a Nintendo game. But a lot of the later games, a lot of the more refined games, almost look like they're, they could have been Super Nintendo games if they had color in them. Oh, yeah. The big sprites. Yeah. just Like, like even uh, Kirby's Dream Land on Game Boy. That was kind of the one I remember. There was a lot of detail in that. Yeah. Kirby, yeah. Kirby's Dream Land. Yeah. Um, you know, Link's Awakening was good. I didn't play a ton of Game Boy. Oh, what about um, Super Mario Bros. Six Mario Golden Land, Coins Land Two, the the Golden Coins yeah. one. Like, like you couldn't. I don't think you could have made that on Nintendo. I don't think it would have looked as good. If they added the extra special chips, like those MMC three chips. Right, but that was yeah, that was a good game. But that was. It had know, like a lot of detail into it. It just didn't look like it had that tiley background that yeah. those Nintendo games did. It was. More, more of a hand-drawn type of thing that made it look a little bit more like Super Nintendo. You're right, you're right. Um, Contra Rogue Corps. This is one I'm, I'm kind of excited about. 9-24, so September 24th, that comes out. And that looks like... It kind of reminds me of... Do you remember the game 1? 
for PlayStation One. Yeah, with the barcode on the front of it. Yeah, that was like part it's, of the logo. Yeah, I think so. But it's it's like yeah, basically just like a run and gun game, a lot of explosions happening, but it's three dimensional where you can kind of move in and out. There's a three. It almost looks like it could be like a twin stick shooter today. Yeah, that's what it kind of looks like, and uh, I mean it looks pretty boss. I mean I don't I don't know how it's gonna turn out. But yeah, doesn't it kind of look like um, the one they put on PS One? The Contra. Legacy, it of, looks Legacy like that. of War. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I'm sure it plays better. But, well, yeah. That's um, what it reminded me of that, right? It's kind of like a top down kind of. Yeah. Not complete top down. I don't know what you, same, that's same, called. Same kind isometric kind of. Well, three like a three quarter vertical almost. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's not. It's not like at eye level. It's it's elevated a little bit, so you're looking sort of down on the characters. Right. As they're moving through, but I wonder if that's going to be a twin stick shooter, or if that's going to be something else. I would I would think it would be. Hmm. You know? Or they could do like the old Super Nintendo style with like Smash TV where the left D-pad actually moves the guy when the four buttons on the face. Yeah, as a way you shoot. Because I mean, whether you're doing Xbox or Nintendo or PlayStation, they all have the four buttons. Hmm. But a twin stick might be better because you could be, it'll yeah, be more, a little bit more... Fluid. More yeah. fluid. Um, the, one, the one for me that's kind of a big deal, you texted me. And he said, oh my gosh, did you see that they oh, came out with this game? I know what it is. And I was like, no. But you see, you said it was the, the, no, the I know. third game. I spoke too I almost soon. lost my mind when you said that. <laughs> but it's it's Panzer Dragoon. They're they're kind of remaking or remastering Panzer Dragoon. Welcome to the 90s. Did you, I mean, did you see the, the trailer, though? I mean, it looks beautiful. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, we're getting to a point in, in, in like modern gaming, which is not the focus of our podcast, but we're getting to a point where whether you're playing on Switch or you're playing on playstation or xbox it's not really to me it's not really about the power anymore it's more about how artistic you can be with the resources that you have to get the kind of results that you're looking for yeah and i mean if you look in that trailer you know all of the vegetation in that i believe i think if i can remember correctly it's like moving around and wafting with the wind and you know just the water effects look really really good i'm i'm really excited about that and that was you know, being a, a guy who really likes the Sega Saturn, which was a, a, a console that was, nobody played it. I think they sold maybe 2 million units in the United States. You know, I mean, we're talking about like TurboGrafx territory in, in a way. You know, it's like maybe double what TurboGrafx did. The, what, the Saturn? In America, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it sold really well in Japan, but not in, not in the States, which is one of the reasons why the games are so freaking expensive. I believe it. But that's one game where if you guys own a Switch... I don't know if it's... Is it coming out on PS4, do you know? I don't know. I thought it was only mentioned on the Switch. Well, if you own a Switch, that's one that I would look out for just because it's... I mean, it's not going to... It's not a game that you're going to play forever, but the experience, the, the music... I mean, I can't talk enough about the orchestration that they did in that game. I don't know why it would be exclusive to the Switch unless they paid for it and they... Maybe. Yeah. Or it could be one of those where comes out on the switch they have exclusivity to the first release and then like six months I mean, later look at look at the game like cuphead right cuphead was supposed to be an xbox exclusive and now it's coming out or came out or coming out for switch i don't even know what that is that's it's a shooter it's got like a hand drawn almost looks like mickey mouse from the 30s uh, oh yeah type, type okay. of game um, i heard about it and then for all you final fantasy heads uh final fantasy 7 has a date of march 20th so you know who cares get your, get your Oh come on now! I don't that's, like I don't like Final Fantasy. You don't like anything that's got substance, right? <laughs> that's why I have nothing. 
You like you like quick games. And that's, the only, that's cool. The only thing I saw at E3 that I don't know why it was there because they didn't say anything about it was Hyperkin. I didn't see anyone really mention it. Hyperkin's making an N64 clone system. Did you see that? I thought it was fake, to be honest. No, it's legit. Is that real? Yeah, I just saw it today. And they, the guy was trying to ask him like questions about it. Oh, so is this gonna be? Uh, is it gonna be emulation or is it gonna play from the system? He's like, we don't know yet. So are there gonna be any colors? That's uh, too early to tell. <laughs> he just any question that the guy asked, he just says, it's too early in development no to comment. let you know. No I was comment. like, well, what's the point of even showing it then if you have no? You can't tell us anything about it. Like I would like to know if it has an expansion pack thing. I would, if it had an expansion pack built in already, so you wouldn't have to worry you about would, that. You would think it would be. It does. Right? They just all these. They showed like the shell of it, so it's got the four controller ports. If it's Hyperkin, my guess is that it's going to be no. I know. Which is, I mean, it's whatever. It's not terrible. But I mean, they also did release that. They also did release a HDMI cable for the 64, and I was like, ooh, I might grab this. And I looked online, and everyone said it's terrible. There's one. Is per- it a pound? There's one person. Is it, I, is it the pound uh, brand? No, a Hyperkin. Hyper, oh, Hyperkin brand. Yeah, and it looks it, it like washes out all the colors, like the reds. But it look can't access it can't access the RGB image because it's the alleged. I mean, it's yeah. allegedly it's supposed to just be a, a, just you know so you easy can, solution. Yeah, to play it on your HDTV. But I mean, if you're gonna put it out, you might as well not have it do that. You know, like the 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 quality looked really bad in like the videos I saw. So that's Start, unfortunate. Starting off good. I know, right? I don't know, man. I don't know. The the whole if if Hyperkin's gonna make a console and they want mass adoption, you can't make it cost too much money. If they're gonna use real parts like the analog NT or the Mega SG or whatever uh, the um the one that uses real parts of the Genesis or real parts of the Nintendo. Oh, that the, the one that everyone was going nuts about. That's like a four hundred dollar system. Or a three hundred dollar system. You're not going to be able to sell that. You you, you kind of have to use emulation if you want mass adoption. Yeah, because I'm sure that that'll be. It'll, I'm guessing it would be like a hundred bucks when it comes out. I mean, that's not a bad price point if it's. I mean, the Retron Five was one hundred fifty, so I would right. assume this one would be under that. It's it's funny, and it does use it has all the original controller ports on it too, so you can use your old controllers. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the generation of people that played those systems there's a reason why the one that came out for super nintendo and genesis came out when it did and why the 64 might be coming out now it's because the people who played that system as young young kids are getting jobs now yeah well i also think it had something to do with the patent on the nintendo 64 too i mean it could be they had to wait for that to expire i think it was like 20 years or something like that okay i mean that would be 2016 yeah but i mean not like they're just gonna pop it out right no no i know i know (laughs) But that makes sense, and it would be a good time to, to get that, yeah. you know, get that release. So that's the one I want the most. The sixty-four one. one. Yeah. Is that your favorite system? Probably. I think so. The one I had the most fun with growing up. You know. Yeah. Because we were at it was the right age to have that system. It's funny because the PlayStation sold like a hundred million copy copies of, of the of the hardware. But how often do you hear people talk about like sixty four has like a fever? It's just and, it's and, just that and, Nintendo in, in, in this it's, country. It's just Nintendo, man. But 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 the Wii doesn't have that kind of fervor. I mean, the GameCube well, to yeah. an extent, but I I I think it's because Nintendo got the jump on the four player thing, 
like they built the system with four controller ports and they made it so easy for people to access that and all you got i mean think about all the party games you got even games that weren't party games like goldeneye turned into party games because you would just do deathmatch and beetle adventure racing did you play that oh yeah i I had it but that's for another podcast <laughs> we'll just end up talking about nintendo 64 I know, for an hour we probably shouldn't do that <laughs> uh any pickups what do you, anything you've done since the, the beavis and butthead podcast uh what did i oh i did pick up i got off-road on the genesis but i don't know if i mentioned that before but you, i got you it you in, did. In, the, in the box i did yeah uh, uh, what else did I got? Well, I got Sonic Spinball only because it was in the box for four bucks. Not really noteworthy. You asked me. That's <laughs> what I got. <laughs> oh, I did. I got um, Yoshi's Story on Nintendo 64. Oh, you did? Yeah. 15 bucks. Underrated game. Can't complain. Underrated game. That's, um, I think, in Liz's like top five. Oh, top five dead or alive? Top five, baby. The Fave Five on T-Mobile. I would ask you what you picked up, but we'd have to do a whole other episode. <laughs> So how about you just mention two games you got? Uh, <laughs> the one of them might be behind us. Yeah. Um, or I'm, probably all behind us. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it Sega CD for now. Well, I'll mention three games. So I got Winning Post on Sega Saturn, which is becoming such a rare game. I, you can't. You can barely find it in the box anymore. Oh, I meant to ask. The, did you try playing it? It works. It does work. It works. Nice. Nice. It works. And it's a game that's going for upwards of like 200 plus now in the box when last year it was only going for 80. All it takes is all it takes is one person to list it at some ridiculous price and once it sells for that then that's what everyone bases. But there are bases. no copies online. No, I know, but that's I well, think Well, who the hell's playing a horse racing <laughs> game in the United States? They're not. It's just like you, you're trying to get the whole collection. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is that why was it released in the first place? No. Oh. If you look at well, Japan, came out, that was the one that came on the arcades, right? Is that the same one, or is that a different remember one? Remember when we used to go to Dave and Buster's? No, not Dave and Buster's. We, in, they used to, remember, they used the arcade to... in the mall. And the Buckland Mall had it, with the, the four remember, horses. I, <laughs> oh, I just remember when we used to go to... Are they, did they have it at Dave and Buster's? When we went to Dave and Buster's in, Pro, in the Providence Mall, they used to have that side area, before you got into like the main arcade area, that had the horse racing stuff on the wall. There was like there was like, like those, those screens... It had its own. It was like a. It was almost like a betting area, if you remember. It was like a betting booth, and it had you had just like booth seats where you could sit. No, not booth seats. Like like bar top seats where you could sit down. Like and, the off track betting. And you could almost like bet on the horses, but you could actually like. I don't yeah, know. that's off track betting, OTB. Yeah, but it was it was using this winning post <laughs> horse racing game <laughs> you would or whatever be, the arcade equivalent was. <laughs> you I, would bet on the video game. You would you bet would on the video game. Yeah, allegedly. It was like three dimensional, you know. It was a little bit more hmm. advanced. This is a two D like sprite based game, but. Um, so what else? Uh, and then uh, behind us, so we've got. Uh, we, well, the, the two noteworthy ones would be Pitfall, the Mayan Adventure, and uh, Shining Force CD, which I've vowed since I got the Sega CD cartridge to get. Which the Sega CD cartridge I got had had a Shining Force CD. Oh, save right. file on it if you remember right and so i was like i well i, I gotta get shining force cd so i went down to uh the grid games in manchester here off of pernell street and um and carl had it and um so we struck a deal it wasn't carl winslow was it nope oh, nope it's uh the, uh the grid games on instagram follow them they've, they've got actually a really really good selection like real like really good stuff real that, nice that you're not going to see at any other retro game store um for whatever reason, but it's it's pretty cool. They also do like 
I find a lot of the a lot of game stores are now doing like the magic tournaments, and that's a way for them to kind of maintain. Oh yeah, definitely. Know? But you know, kind of because there might be like a big, I don't know what you call them, like the magic packs that come out, and people want the whole series, and it's like they're expensive. It's like so anywhere between one hundred and twenty five and two hundred and fifty bucks for like a set. So they can make money on that, and then plus I think they make money on like the tournaments that they do. Yeah, you got to like pay to um, do the tournament, probably. Yeah. But it allows it allows it just gets people in the door. Exactly, it allows video games and other stuff to exist together because mm-hmm. you know it'd be tough for them to kind of survive probably without that, you know. And then um, yeah, well, and Pit- Pitfall. So I I've played some Pitfall. Man, is that an awesome game? Like you weren't kidding. <laughs> but I, I still haven't played it. You haven't played Pitfall? No. Oh God, man! It, it it's it's the best of like what Aladdin is on Sega Genesis. I understand. You know, in games like Toy Story, it, it, it ushered in that whole. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to talk about Pitfall again, but anyway. So those were a few of the noteworthy games that I got. Um, so I I've actually been playing Pitfall. Um, you know, again, it just it just invokes a lot of feelings of Aladdin. Just that hand drawn animation. Um, it's sort of like a next level of what the 16-bit consoles could do. And um, you know, pretty much that. I, I, I'm playing a little bit of Rebel Strike on GameCube, which I know is not really we consider classic, but going back to Rogue Squadron, those games just control so well. They're just really fun games. It's a classic like Nintendo, plug it in, you're going to have a good time no matter what kind of game. You know what I mean? I feel you. It's just um, so you know a little bit of that. And now... The main event. We can get into uh, we can get into some Toy Story here. So, um, I just saw Toy Story four. I think you I just saw. I also Story 4. saw Toy Story four. Can I do one little quick rant about Toy Story four? Um, does it have to do with Buzz Lightyear? Nope. Okay. Well, it has I, to do with the legend Don Rickles. I would love to hear it. I so I was looking up if how they were doing the voice for Mister Potato Head. They, they took him from another. I, context, I understand right? that. No. Well, no, let me say. So uh, the the crew, they, they said, I read an article where they said they went through like hours and hours and documented every like piece of audio he's ever said and like on any show or anything. And these motherfuckers, <laughs> he said three words. He had one, he had one line. <laughs> he said three words. Wait, did he say like, watch it, you idiot or something like that? <laughs> That's it. But didn't he say that in the yeah. first movie? <laughs> he said three words. They had me all hyped. Because Don Rickles is, is is the man. Was the man, I should say. R.I.P. Posthumously. Oh, my God. I was so pissed. They were like, oh, yeah, we dug up all this footage. They said they spent, like, hours and days, like, gathering all his audio from interviews, just TV shows, appearances, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the past stuff. He said three fucking words. <laughs> that was it. To, it, be, to be fair, <laughs> the movie's not about him. But look at what they did to all those characters. But I'm just saying. They put all the characters in a box. <laughs> don't put me in a box my thing about toy story 4 which i i think it was a good movie i'm not going to give away the ending or spoilers or whatever but it was a it was a, a good enough movie but you're talking about toy story it's got to be a 10 and it wasn't why did they make toy story into a, why did they make buzz lightyear into a bumbling idiot he was like dumber than he was in the first movie yeah he's listening to his buttons yeah his, his inner voice is to tell him what to do yeah whatever he had no personality. He was like he. he was You've got no personality. Anyway, Hush up. I was just upset that they had me. I know he's your man. They like hyped it up to the like. Oh yeah, we got all this audio. So I figured he'd have some funny lines in it. 
and he, he said three words. You know, he's too racy. It's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> three, Don Rickles. <laughs> three words. That they, they said they spent hours and days of going through yeah, audio did, did and Did she footage. have any words, though? Did she have any lines? Mrs. Potato Head? Yeah. yeah. Well, who cares about her? I'm just saying, does she even have any lines? <laughs> I don't think so. She probably made like a, <laughs> like a noise. You know who didn't have any lines? <laughs> Bullseye. <laughs> Oof. Bullseye didn't have any lines. All right. Well, anyway, let's talk about the game. <laughs> so... We talked about Toy Story 4. Let's talk about Toy Story 1, the movie, because that's what this game is about. The genesis of Toy Story. Uh, ooh, a little play on words. <laughs> what are your memories of Toy Story 1 in 1995? Did you, 95. See, did you see it in the theater? Did you know you, what's weird you know is I, I don't think I knew about it, but they showed it at our school. Really? Like the OG style. They... they like they brought like they put like everyone into the library and they brought out the cart with the TV on top with the projector the projector or? No, just a big TV, like a 30-inch <laughs> tube with the TV. auditorium of like No, it was in the, there? it was in the library. I think it was like they put they, they put like a couple classes together oh. and we watched the movie. And I don't even think it was like after it came out. I don't know if like the school like they gave out like advanced copies or something like that, but we we watched it in school and it was amazing. Back in like Right when it came fifth, out, fifth grade, sixth grade, sixth grade, we watched it in middle school. Huh? I I don't know re- I don't know why. <laughs> like I don't know what was the benefit of it. It wasn't like you know, uh, some a teacher educational. was uh, It wasn't like a teacher was out and they just had a substitute and they were like, all right, we're just gonna watch a movie today. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean it was mind blowing. To be fair, it was a phenomenon. No, I know. That was like you could have put that. I mean, they're pretty much the same style, but you could have put that movie out today and it. It, you'd still be like the same. Yes. It still follows the same. Like it hasn't. I mean, it's not Beavis the, and Butthead. The picture quality has gotten a little bit better, but it's still the same art style and everything. Pretty much, pretty much. But I think what drove that m- movie. See, that style is great, but there are plenty of CG animated. Films oh no, I know. Well, they were the that are complete. <laughs> dog shit they the ogs the originators of because it because they had a compelling story well i know obviously there's story a good story always, to it i know <laughs> but but the thing when you're a kid you're not thinking of that you're just saying this movie's amazing yeah you're not really thinking why i remember and i didn't see that movie in the theater I, and i can't I, I can't tell you where i first saw it but i just remember when i did first see it thinking cartoons are dead <laughs> It's over. This this is the new way forward, and anything that comes out that has a CG animated look is going to be amazing. I'm mm. very wrong about that. Well, yeah, very wrong about that. But that was the impact of that of that movie. And I know just looking at commentary from like like the Toy Story commentary of of, of that actual movie and the guys who worked on let's say like two and three in A Bug's Life and. Nemo and all this stuff that they were inspired by that first movie. Let's say they weren't working for Pixar at that time, but they were like, "I need to do this." You know, it, it just it just inspired all these people to get into computer animation. And who knows if that movie didn't come out when it did with the impact that it had? Because we've gotten so many other studios now. You think of like Universal, you know, um, you know, what are the Columbia Pictures? I don't know what other ones there are. DreamWorks, where everybody's producing now their own oh, yeah, anima- animated films. And that, who In knows, that style. Who knows how, like, if that would have happened if if Toy Story had flopped. You know what I mean? 
I mean, maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal until another one came out that was Yeah, I mean, if, more yeah, successful. if Toy Story didn't have the a, a good story, so just, you know, just Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if the plot or, and everything didn't kind of, you know, mean anything, then yeah. it probably just would have been whatever. And if, <laughs> everybody yeah. would have forgotten about it. I'm sure someone would have taken the same premise and then uh, came up with their own. What was the one? Um, Small Soldiers. Remember that? That, that came out. scary. It's good, though. It, it, it is really good. good. But that's sort of a mixture of what looks to be stop-motion animation and yeah, live, I think live it action. Is. But, I mean, obviously, it came, it came out after Toy Story. What's funny is that I always thought that the small soldiers were good. <laughs> I thought they were good characters because they're on the front cover of the movie. Yeah. So you think that, I mean, I, I always thought that they were good, but I only saw that movie five years ago. Yeah, I just saw it like a couple years and ago. And I was like, ago. seriously? <laughs> But, it, I mean, no, that's another good one. But that's not quite CG. Yeah. Um, all right. So so the topic of today is, is Toy Story, the, the game. We thought it was really timely with the movie coming out. And I don't know if you have any history with this game growing up. But I certainly do. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we can, we can get into. But I want to go into a little bit of the, you know, the specifics about the game. And then we can talk about kind of why why it's important in gaming and some of our own memories about it. So the game was released in November of 1995 on the Genesis, and about December, the records are not great on it. Can't trust Wikipedia, so you got to go to old posts to find them, and even then it was a little iffy. Uh, but around the end of the year, at, at the very latest, maybe January of 1996 for Super Nintendo, it was created by Traveler's Tales, and Traveler's Tales... If you've seen that name or heard that name, these guys were all about pushing the boundaries of what could be accomplished with, at that time, 16-bit technology. So uh, one of their, and one of their very first games. Do you remember Bram Stoker's Dracula and Sega CD? Oh, jeez. With the guy walking down and punching the bats. Oh, it. There's two of them. Oh no, what was the other one I'm thinking of? Dracula Unleashed. Is that the another Dracula one by Sony? It might be, but I'm I'm thinking of like it's 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 Bram Stoker's draft. Yeah, where he just yeah, where it looks he's just it's the like, movement it, it, is it's terrible. It's like digitized. Yeah, and he's just walking through and they did that. Bats. They did that one too. So they did that one. You got to start somewhere. And then they did Pug- <laughs> Pugsy. You remember Pugsy? Oh yeah, I never played it, but I know, I know of it. Yeah, so P- Pugsy was like a side-scrolling platformer. He's like this. He looks like a raindrop. I don't yeah, he's like know. a blob. I don't even know what he, what he is, but. He's a ranger. But that game showcased oh. a lot of the special effects that the that the Sega CD could do. So it did rotation and it did scaling of, of things, scaling of bosses, scaling of different images Boss. on the screen. And it was a place where I think it got a lot of their uh, more testing ground on the, on, on the Genesis itself. They did Mickey Mania, which we all, all know about. Well, some of us know about the advancements that were there. There was almost three-dimensional images in that game just the way that they developed i mean just these guys were able to tap so much out of uh, if you can throw up some image of, of mickey mania um and post on this because it'd be cool to, for people to see especially like the um there's, there's a scene in the very first level where it's black and white and slowly as they go through the level it turns into color and it looks oh yeah it looks, I remember that it level. looks just like a cartoon from the like 30s. the thir- yeah the 30s cartoon and it's yep. it's it's steamboat willie which is yeah, one, so of, I was one, say, of the, steamboat. one of the first mickey cartoons if not yep. the first and there's a part where mickey's going through and he's got to get over this um uh, 
Oh, jeez, I don't even know what. Um, almost like a. It's like a bridge, but it's uh, like a. Uh, it's like a swiveling arm, uh, and it's wooden. And the way it rotates around, it literally looks like it's jutting into the screen, going to the other side. It's almost like a platform that's rotating across. Oh, kind of like something from uh, like Batman and Robin on Genesis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a whole other. Well, <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm trying but, to think of that. But, but yeah, just just these very interesting 3D levels. Uh, there's a rotating tower level where Mickey's running around this tower going down, and this three-dimensional tower is rotate or, or, or shifting as it's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's these three dimen- what looks to be three-dimensional wooden platforms that are dropping out from under him. Just some really, really good effects. Really good music in that game. Um, they did Toy Story. They did Sonic 3D Blast, which say what you want about Sonic 3D Blast, if whether you like it or not. But a, a 3D sort of isometric game for was originally made on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. So you know, again, really, really impressive. I see. It's like Mar- the Marble Madness kind of look. Sonic. Yeah. But you know what that game reminds me of? Flicky. Oh, Flicky. Flicky is is the game about the bird. It's like it's a Genesis game. And it's got to pick up its chicks and get to the door before the cats get them. Oh. And it, it, the levels are, are just uh, constantly, like, like it, if you go off the screen, it goes to the left side of the screen. So you're, it's like a looping level. Yeah. Okay. And I gotcha. It's basically you're trying to get the birds and get them, get them home before the cats get you. And that's kind of what Sonic 3D Blast is. You're trying to get the different, uh, you know, birds or animals and you got to get up like five or six of them and get to the ring to pass the level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they did Sonic R for Sega Saturn, which is more noteworthy for its music than anything else. Um, but even that game had um, some... There was, one of the issues with 32-bit technology was where things would pop into the screen. Oh, yeah. And I can remember with, pop up. with Sonic R, one of the things that they did was when you were running through that level, and we all know Sonic R's controls are difficult to get into or if you want to be really harsh just say they're terrible right <laughs> um but the level when when new things would come into the screen they wouldn't just pop in but they would kind of transparently kind of like come in and then become solid so it didn't look like they were just popping into the screen it was yeah. more of a gradual push into the screen so it didn't look so jarring so they were always kind of like experimenting with the technology to see how they could make it work even better and their, some of their best work is in is in the 16-bit arena, you know, especially on the Genesis because they really didn't do a whole lot with the Super Nintendo. It was mostly uh, Genesis or Mega Drive production in, in Europe. And Traveler's Tales has gone on to you know their their most famous thing now is the Lego games. They do all the Lego games ever uh, since ever uh, since the Lego Star Wars original game. Remember you were talking to me like years ago about your cousin who I don't know if it was in Pennsylvania. You were talking about how. The kid was nuts about Lego Star Wars. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Jeez, like clear, I forgot about clear, that. Cleared everything about the game yeah. and was just like insane. Yeah, the Lego game for everything. Every ever since then, now they do all those games. So I mean, think about how profitable they've become since that time. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're good though. They are good. They are good. Like Lego Batman's pretty good. I mean, the Lego City Undercover game was really good on the on the on the Wii U. I've. I've tried to get into that with my little guy, and I have to play it alone because <laughs> he's got the attention span like you. And you play yeah. it for five minutes, like, Daddy. Let's do it. Do something else. We were. I was trying to get him into. I, I plugged in um, Lego Star Wars Two, the one that's like the old trilogy, 
like the original trilogy. Was on 360? Uh, GameCube. Oh, okay. And um, we were playing it on the Wii. And we got... (laughs) It was fine up until we got to this point where we had to use like this grappling hook to get up to a second oh, level. That's like on every, that's like on all the games. Yeah. It's so confusing sometimes. But, but we get up to this we get up to the platform and he just immediately falls off the platform down to the bottom. Oh yeah. So I'm yeah. like, all right, you got to go over here, get back to there, and press the button so you can go back up. <laughs> Gets back up, immediately falls again. And I just feel so bad for him. I'm then just he like, rage quits. He's just like, I, I, Daddy, I want to go do something else. I feel bad. I wanted to enjoy it, but at the same time, it's like you got to. He'll get there. Yeah. So that's why I secretly bought him a 3DS and Tur- Kirby, but no one needs to know about that just yet. Uh, uh, so the game, so uh, the game was published by Disney Interactive. It was one of the first games by Disney Interactive to be published. They started publishing in about ninety four, ninety five. The first game that they published was Mickey's Ultimate Challenge on Super Nintendo, which is the hell is that? I wanna, is kinda... it a sports thing? No, you gotta do it's more like mini games. Mini game challenges to oh. kind of get. Sounds amazing. It's. <laughs> it's not Castle of Illusion. <laughs> um, but anyways, that was the first game that they did, and Toy Story was one of the first. They did a lot of work, like I said, with Sony, uh, Sega, Sony ImageSoft, Cap- Capcom, Virgin Interactive. Um, originally, Disney did. And then they just said, we're going to start to publish ourselves. Because, said, F it, F it, yeah, instead, F it. Instead of giving all these companies profits, we're going to go into business for ourselves and be the publisher and just get... <laughs> we're going to own everything. Get other developers to do it. We, we want the publishing. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, they published all their own movies. Why couldn't they yeah. Why couldn't they do video games? The thing about Toy Story, if we talk about the game itself, that is really, really significant and what Traveler's Tales did in this game that you have to applaud whether you like the game or not is it brought together well you can't not like the game there are people that don't like this game we don't associate with those people well, listen, before you play the game which you haven't played in so long <laughs> you, you let's just get through this because you might you might play it again and you might not like it maybe not i doubt it but whether you like it or not this game brought in three-dimensional racing First person exploring, for, for real first person exploring. I'm not talking about like something that looks like uh, first person, but there's like pains that you're going through. This is fluid movement into an environment like Doom. Um, or Noah's Ark 3D. Ugh. <laughs> RC car racing, think like micro machines. Platforming, first and foremost, and a sh- and shooter style level. They literally did it all. All of all of these genres were represented in this game. So, at the very least, you need to give them credit for trying all different types of things to make it what it was. And when you think about... And the thing is, if it was bad, then... If the game itself, the gameplay and everything was bad, then people would have been like, oh, they tried to do too many things, right. and it didn't make sense. They should have just stuck to one... Uh, form of the game, like a side-scrolling part, and then but just that was did some that. of the criticism back in 1995 no, when this I game do. came out. I know, I, I do remember that. They said the graphics were good, the music was good, but the gameplay was boring. That was that was the comments on if you look at EGM or you look at GamePro, both of the magazines, like in EGM, they gave it an eight, a six point five, a six point five, and a six point five, and then in, in GamePro. Gameplay and fun factor, the gameplay or the excuse me, graphics were like a five. The with the like frown face. 
No, it was it was it was the electric face. But then there <laughs> oh were, yeah, because they did it one to five. Yeah, right? but then like fun factor and gameplay were like two point fives, and it was the guy looking like you know like yeah. he had to fart or something like that. You know, it just he looked unenthused, and it was the same complaint. It was like the gameplay, like I don't like the 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 pull string animation, or I don't like the pull string how it works. Honestly, if this game came out in nineteen ninety three, I think opinions would have been different. Do you know why I think that's the case? In 93 as opposed to 95? Yeah, late 95, early 96. Are you thinking of, did some other game come out in between then that was similar? Is that what you're saying that? Well, there was one. <laughs> that's, you're talking about Donkey Kong Country, but that's not what I'm talking about. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the 32-bit generation had gotten kicked off. Oh, yeah, 95. So, yeah. so at that point, like 3D gaming was sort of in vogue, and 2D gaming was something that you kind of were like... We'll leave it to the kids, but <laughs> it, it, we're gonna. Oh, it's kind of discounted, and this is my theory. I'm not saying this is. What we can already is. get the legit 3D on yeah, the system. Yeah, yeah, like we so. we can get 3D. So why are we doing this 3D rendering thing? Mm. We're just kind of like trying to trick ourselves. Yeah, kind of thing, which I don't agree with. I'm just saying that it was a. You're time playing devil's advocate here. You you could you could play Warhawk on PlayStation One. Oof. Wow. And Mortal Kombat Three with like larger sprites. Battle Arena Toshinden, you know, like these 3D fighters. and. No, oh, I understand. So, like, when you've played that as a reviewer and then you get Toy Story in the mail to review, I can understand them saying, like, eh, you know, not really enthused about it. So, it's, I think that part of it was, it was a victim of its time of when it came out. Then they're not being credible then. You know. Tell them why you meant. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you can't judge something based off of something it can't no. do. No, you gotta you gotta judge it based off of. But, but were they were they thinking? No, Listen, this is, this is the environment we're in. I don't care if it's sixteen bit. Like, why am I gonna play it? Yeah. You know. Well, they wrong. They wrong. Um. So, that was kind of the the the, the reviews of of the game, and the cool thing about this moment in the sixteen bit generation, as late as it was, is. When you look at a game like Toy Story, you look at a game like Vector Man, these games are doing things that in 1990 they couldn't dream of doing. They were taking real animators and 3D rendering. They were using these workstations to create 3D models and then turning them into 2D sprites. And the effect, I, mean, I don't know how you feel, but I think it, I still think to this day it looks really, really impressive. Oh, yeah, this game? The, the the look of or like just you're saying when, when they would take the idea like, in like think about Donkey Kong Country they they made the Donkey Kong characters on a on a, on a workstation like a like a oh, silicon yeah. graphics workstation and then they turn them into 2D sprites oh yeah that game still looks amazing Donkey Kong Country is is a legendary game I don't I don't I don't I don't care what anybody's opinion is that game is amazing yeah there it goes the first one <laughs> <laughs> ding do you remember like the first time you saw Donkey Kong Country Oh yeah, I do. It was a '94. Yeah, that's the first one came out. Yeah, they actually had it at Walmart, like on one of their like the Super Nintendo little stations where you could play. Oh yeah, where you were looking like way to the sky, you're like this. Remember Walmart? Oh no, that was no. This was the the controller was down here, and the TV was in the ceiling. Oh no, this above the uh, above the the cabinet that held the games. This is the one where they had like the controllers. They had two controllers out, and they were on this like little black 
like plastic thing that were kind of really stiff, so you couldn't you could barely move the controller. Oh, it had like the ribbing. Yeah, and they had the TV right in front of you, and it was one of those real. It was like a really crisp CRT flat. Oh, nice monitor on it, and nice. then and then you could see the Super Nintendo in there with the game in it. Because they would have like probably like a Sony they had or like, something. Yeah, they had like Star Fox in there Oof. before, and then and they had, I remember playing Donkey Kong. It was either Walmart or <laughs> or Sears. Because mm-hmm. they had to set up at Sears mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was the way to sell games back then. I miss that. <laughs> I miss I miss going into like Funko Land, and if you remember when you walk in, they had like the three TVs on the left. Yeah, that had the games in them, and then you could just ask them to put a put different any game, game in. in and just play. And then they had they had like game stations. And the other parts of the store, like in like yeah, they each, had, yeah, they had like in the more. middle of the store, and then the end of the store, there were there were. I mean, it was like there were like seven systems running at any one time, you know. Yeah, it was a good way to like if you were interested in getting a used game, and you wanted to test it out, make sure you yeah. liked it. I mean, think about how many times when we were kids and you bought a game just based on what the game looked like on the oh, back. Yeah. You know, that was like, I remember. It was like buyer beware. You know? Yeah, I remember going in there because I wanted a new wrestling game, and there was a one called Natsum Championship Wrestling. Because I thought it looked pretty good. Oh, no. And, I, and I, yeah, and I, yeah, luckily. No Fire Pro. <laughs> luckily, I went in there and tested it. The game was terrible. Funko Land? It was so bad. And I, yeah. I, I don't know if that was the same day because I, I, I got ended up getting Final Fight. But I already knew I wanted that game. I don't know if that was the same day or not. But I was like, I was like yeah, I'm going to get a new wrestling game. I'm playing the other ones forever, like WWF Raw or Royal Rumble. And that game was awful. So bad. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Buyer beware. I, there's just a feeling like <laughs> that that memory there's of, of going into a Funko Land and the possibilities being endless. Where do you think you are, Funko Land? <laughs> I just and you would take that you would take that little newspaper home that had all the games on it and you would just highlight. Ag- I'd just highlight agonize, all the games I wanted. <laughs> you would just agonize over it. Yeah, and you, I would I would take a a pen and I would circle the games that right. I that I that I was interested in or I had like my top 10 and it was like, okay, what do I want to get first? And okay, Mario, Super Mario Brothers is 25 cents. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that when they were unloading them for like a quarter? That's how I, you know, I got Final Fight for 12 bucks. It's a good it deal. It was 11.99 then. I wonder what it goes for today. Yeah, then you had to go to the back of the store and that's where they had all the trade-in values on like the, uh, the fluorescent paper. Oh. On the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember you had to go in the back corner to do your trade-ins yes, and everything? Yes, yes, There was like a booth yeah, it's yeah. like shady shits going down. <laughs> so I, they had remember the um, was it the GX TV or what? There was remember that TV that they came out with in like 1996, 90, 1997? It had like the speakers, like it opened up. It was called like the the portable one. No, it was like a oh, special gaming TV. Yes, I do remember. It looked like a computer monitor. I think it was called the GX TV or something like that. Yeah, it had the doors that swung open. And they were speakers. And it had the speakers. I there. think it looked like a computer monitor. Kind of. It probably was a computer it was all monitor. Black. That I remember had... it was all black. I thought they made different colors. I think there was a white and a black one. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, could be. But um, I do remember that. But I remember so. <laughs> um, so this is probably nineteen ninety. Eight, nineteen ninety, eh, probably nineteen ninety eight, because it was before the Dreamcast had come out, and my Saturn died. The uh, the laser on the Model Ones. Everybody says the Model Ones are more durable. I think it's a bunch of shit because I've owned two Model Ones in my life, 
and both of the both of the motors have burned out. So I don't I don't know what that's about. But you know, being a kid and you know not ha- having limited resources, I said that's probably a good idea. Let me just go bring it down to Funko Land and see if they'll take it. Like not really thinking. Yeah. They're gonna check everything. They're gonna te- <laughs> they're gonna test it. You know, and he and he tested it on that um on that on that monitor. T- what is it called? Yeah, it is a GX TV. GX TV. It literally all it looks like it all it was was just a 13 inch TV with some fold out speakers. Yeah, I don't know what the appeal was with that. It, it was, just looked cool. You know, it was the 90s. Who made it? Samsung. Samsung GX TV. Yeah. Maybe the speakers were extra special. They like it. Ambl- it no. Amb- you know, made the sound better. It was the uh the the aura interactor of TVs. Oh. Oof. <laughs> Where it was supposed to be amazing. It looks literally just a 13 inch CR TV with fold out speakers on it. I saw one of the Aura Interactors at Goodwill maybe a month ago, but it was I I thought they only made them for the Genesis and Super Nintendo, but it was for the 64 or the PlayStation 1. I don't know. Yeah, it had like a special extra box attached to it. Uh. Um, the GXTV, a television for gamers from 1997. Anyways, so he was testing it on this GXTV, and I can just remember... It would get to like. He's like, yeah, your shit's broke, man. It, it, no, he was like, ta- <laughs> he was like talking to some other guy and just acting all casual, and it got to that screen where it's got the bubbles, and you know he would go to load up the game, and in the top left corner, the top left bubble turns into like, essentially the planet Saturn when the game is lo- like spun up and loaded, and that would never work, and I just remember him being like. I've tried it a few times. It's not working. I can't take your system back. <laughs> You're beat. I just remember being so like dejected and embarrassed by it. But it was my own fault. I mean, I brought a broke system to Funko Land <laughs> to, to. to try to get rid of it. And, you know, the rest is history. Trying to but, cheat the system. Yeah, it was it was wrong of me. So I got what I deserved. In, you in played yourself. But then I bought another one. I bought a used one there for like 50 bucks. And that one died on me. So... Good job, Sega. I've owned I've owned uh, two Model Twos, and I've never had an issue with them. The other thing about Toy Story, getting back to Toy Story, is this is the time when there was more money flowing into video games than ever before. When you think about the early '90s, and you think about the the mid '90s, video games really kind of exploded during that time frame. And I, a part of it too was. The 16-bit wars. I think the 16-bit wars really fueled just like the Monday en- Night Wars energy. Think about it when was. think about when wrestling was. I know the biggest. It's the same thing. 97, 98, 99, right? Mm-hmm. The 16-bit wars. 1990. It was, it was. I mean, it started. 90, it started a little bit earlier than uh, for for the video games. 92, 93, 94. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty but, much all through the 90s. But it really pushed these game companies to think more innovative. Uh, think bigger in terms of the production of these games. Toy Story. Let me take a look. Toy Story had over fifty people working on the game. When hey, you when you think about when games, you got Disney backing it, you but, know. But when you think about games from the eight or early sixteen bit era, there was sometimes five or eight people working on it. There was one programmer, one graphic artist, one person doing sound, one producer. So it was it was they were. The budgets of these games were not big, but by the time you got to the end of that generation and even the middle of that generation, look at the first big game that had way more involvement from a big studio is from the same place, and that's Aladdin. Aladdin, for the Sega Genesis, 
they got Disney animators to come in and meticulously create, um, what's his name? La- Aladdin. <laughs> Shit. What's Aladdin's name? Aladdin. Damn it. Where are my keys? They're in your hand, idiot. <laughs> um, they made uh, they they meticulously made Aladdin's movements and animations, and it looked so realistic. You know, they put the time and the effort in, and they were able to match that up, obviously, with the you know with the responsiveness and the controls. But they made it look more real. They made the game look more than just what you found in the early in the early '90s 16-bit games. And then by the time you get to Toy Story, at that point, Donkey Kong Country has already come out. So you've got high-quality animation. You've got 3D rendering happening in these games. The production was bolstered by the, the, you know, the, that 16-bit war and the fact that video games were, were becoming just a bigger business. And so it was an opportunity for them to do more in these games. And they, and they proved that with... Games like Aladdin, games like Donkey Kong Country, uh, uh, Toy Story, Vector Man, which came out after that. Vector Man is a, is a whole wasn't yeah, it wasn't hit. a big hit, so to speak. No, but it, but but it's, no, I know. In, in, ter- terms, ter- of, uh, in terms of in terms of its graphical prowess, yeah. Aside from the fact that the game is phenomenal and a great platformer. Each part of Vector Man's body is individually yeah the spheres animated. He's got no body; it's just a bunch of spheres. No body. So you could say the same for balls, right? Yeah, but the difference is that Vector Man's <laughs> actually a very, very good game. So the the main guy involved with this game and the one who who pretty much started Traveler's Tales at the very, very beginning is a guy named John Burton. And John actually has a YouTube channel. It's called Game Hut. And if you go on Game Hut, you can see he actually, all of his videos are all about the production of those early Genesis games, including Mickey Mania, Pugsy, and Toy Story. So you can see how he did all the different things he, he, he was able to accomplish in the game because he was the lead programmer. How he actually accomplished the 3D levels in, in Toy Story. And, and, and that exploration level. I'm telling you guys, you got to go check out Game Hut. It's, if you're interested, if you're any, if you're into anything technological and you want to know how these games were made, and you should because this is a part of our history, check it out because it's really enlightening and how he was able to do it and, and really push systems like the Genesis and the Super Nintendo beyond what they originally were thought imaginable, capable of. The Toy Story actually uses 148 colors on screen at any one time and, and, and for a Genesis game. But do you know what the maximum number of colors a Genesis can use? Uh, I don't. What's your what, fa- wait. What's your favorite system? Is it? Wait. Oh, what's your favorite was it, system? Was it only sixty-four? Sixty-four colors. Oh. But he talks about on his channel how if you selected a s- certain palettes from the Genesis architecture, you can do shading. Yeah, like of, yeah. of values, different levels, of values of the lower color. and higher, and if you do that you can create actually more colors. And that's the way he was able to do 148 colors from 3,300 different shades that he could do. Um, the floor, if you look at the floor in the very first level. The wood grain. The wood grain. He, he, all he did was this skewing technique. And the, the wood floor is as wide as the television screen. And it keeps rotating. But you don't see that because 
by the time the last piece of wood is off the screen, the new segment is back on. So all it looks like is a scrolling floor that's constantly rotating. If that makes any sense. So he was able to you know, really you know, tap the Genesis for more than what it was originally thought it could do. And it's just it's one of those things where you, you have to give credit where credit's but due. But what about the Super Nintendo, man? What it's about? still a system. The Genesis was a whore. <laughs> That's Terry Funk reviewing the is, Super Nintendo is, version. <laughs> is that, does Terry Funk really talk like that? Yes, he does. He sounds like Paul Bearer. <laughs> look, look, that's how he talks. I love the Super Nintendo. I don't know, Mick. I don't think <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> Sweet. But I mean, the, it from memory, the Super Nintendo version looks, I, I think, the same. I don't think did they, they if the, you know the Super Nintendo had more. Was it two hundred and fifty six colors? The Super Nintendo, something um, like that. It was. It was a lot. I think it was five twelve, but it was a lot more. Either way, it was a lot more. You figured they probably just did whatever they could and kind of cloned the game on the Super Nintendo. So they they ported it to Super Nintendo, and the problem with that is that. So there's two things that the Genesis has over the Super Nintendo, and only two things. Blah, 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 blast processing. So it runs faster. <laughs> so it's at 7.16 megahertz. Where, More faster. Whereas the Super Nintendo runs at 2.5 megahertz, I believe. Genesis does! And you see, you see a lot of games, if you compare the Genesis to the Super Nintendo versions, especially when the games were made on Genesis, and then ported to Super Nintendo. It's not they a, move slow it, like it's not, mace. Yeah, it's not a it's not a fair <laughs> comparison, but you see a lot of slowdown. If you a good case in point is the original John Madden football on Super Nintendo, which runs horrendously slow, and that's because Electronic Arts had not really gotten. But they also the look the, com- they, the games look completely different they, though. They do not. Oh wait, not. is that when they switched it later on, where the games look different? When you say games look different, what do you mean? Just the 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 players and everything. The whole they look like the Genesis one. They look more. Did they like digitized almost, or is that later? The, the later the game's ones. The game's a port, so it's it's digitized as well. Yeah. The, the characters are digitized, but the Super. So getting back to it, the Super Nintendo is extremely more colorful than than the Genesis version. It's gonna be real colorful. Honestly, he says that he used <laughs> 148 colors, but the whole Genesis game just looks brown. <laughs> It's, it, it's, does, it does look like there's like six colors. It looks, it's like it, blue it, and yellow. It, it looks like a brown paper bag. That's what it it's like, like brown, blue, and yellow. But I mean, it still looks awesome. No, because of the 3D animation. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and all, it just looks so fluid. They actually got the they got Disney animators to do Woody's movements and Scud's movements from the Scud level where you're where you're getting chased by Scud. Scud. And it just it just elevates the game and the feeling that you're getting. There's think I think about. Gameplay is what it is, but you can really elevate a game to feeling a lot more enjoyable if the things around the gameplay are that much better or, or, or more precise or make you feel more uh, engaged with the game or more immersed with the game. Think about a game like Splatterhouse or Splatterhouse 2. Splatterhouse 2 is very much you know, a rudimentary game. All, all Rick's doing is moving from left to right. He's going from left to right, from left to right. That is so perfect. <laughs> it just makes you want to punch that, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just crunchy. All day, I mean, it's hard. I was listening to that at the office the other day. Uh, you should be. 
all the time. It's pretty much on, on repeat. Um, where, was, where were we going with this? Well, you were talking about Splatterhouse and how it's rudimentary. Just, But Splatterhouse is more than just the gameplay. Think about the music, the atmosphere of that game. That's what elevates that game. That's what makes it awesome. Same thing with... Not Twitter. amazing? I'm trying to stay away from amazing. <laughs> I've already got one under my belt. You just got to say it, man. <sighs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's the blink, blink of an eye. Finally <laughs> see the light. Um, damn it. <laughs> Let me make my point. So the Genesis has two things over the Super Nintendo. The, it's, it's a faster processor. The 68,000 processor is faster. Number two is the resolution. So the Genesis can can it's bigger and blacker too. Yes. As Chris Rock would say. It can it can do a resolution on screen of 320 pixels by 224 pixels. Talk about HD. Higher resolution. That's why it says on the Genesis. <laughs> yes, the HD. High resolution <laughs> graphics. The Super Nintendo cannot do 320. It can do You can't do that on Nintendo. Does um, <laughs> let's not say what the what you what you made up. Um, the oh the uh, Super Nintendo is two fifty six by two twenty four, so there's about sixty five pixels missing from the Super Nintendo. So what the problem is is when and this is I say it's a leg up, but it's only a leg up when the Genesis games are ported to Super Nintendo because when really shitty porting happens, it's not the Super Nintendo's fault, but when really shitty porting happens. What they did with Toy Story, and I'm not saying that Toy Story is better on Genesis. I'm just saying when... It, Allegedly. It's, it's it's a detriment to the Super Nintendo game. What they did is they took the 320 pixels and they just cut off the outsides. And then they just took that image and stretched it out and put it on the, on the television Like screen. it was a goddamn Caramello. So it looks like the image is magnified inside of the screen. Everything is either stretched... It's stretched horizontally, so the characters look fatter, and there's less that you can see side to side, so that when you're moving left to right, if there's an enemy placement that's really close, you're going to have a harder reaction time to be able to pick that up and react to it the right way, so that you don't get hit. So, by and large, generally, the Toy Story game on Super Nintendo is thought of as the harder version than than the Genesis version. It doesn't suffer from slowdown, um, really? as far as I know, but that stretching out is is one of the detriments. I guess we'll find out. But it's more it's definitely more colorful. It's going to be real colorful. Mm. But I, <laughs> I I like that aspect of that's one of the reasons why I really like console gaming is that when you get later in a generation, it forces these companies cuz you've got this huge install base, right? 30, 40, 50,000 or a million people that own the system. They're not going to just immediately run to the next system. You look at games like Vector Man came out in '95 and Vector Man 2 came out in 1996. These late era games, they had to tap everything they possibly could out of these that systems. Ass. It's not like a PC where you could just say, "Well, get get a better graphics card." No, <laughs> this is the system that you're working in. This is what you have to yeah. work with, and it forces these these programmers to think differently and push the boundaries and do things that originally were not thought that they could do. So that part of it I really, really appreciate from the point standpoint of Traveler's Tales getting as much as they could out of it. Um, and then in speaking about the hand-drawn animation, you know, so Aladdin came out in late 93, Donkey Kong Country late 94, Earthworm Jim is another one, which I'm not a huge fan of Earthworm Jim, 
But there's a lot. Of, I mean, Earthworm Jim has a kind of like a crazy retro following. There's a lot of people who love it. Oh yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Graphically wise, it's it's nothing like crazy. No, but the animation is a step oh above, yeah yeah above yeah. what you I mean. And the sound, yeah, the sound and everything. Think about like an early game like like Last Battle or Shadow Blasters. These games, they, they essentially could be like Master System games. And yeah. Then, and then, and then well, you get, get Earthworm Jim. Yeah, I mean, that's how it always kind of started out back then, because you know, companies were just test. They didn't. They weren't get going full blast into right. the creation of the games back then, because they were like, we, we we were we were working on Nintendo and Master System games, and now we just got this new system. Don't forget we Atari don't. 7800. Don't forget about the Atari 7800. Everybody was playing that. Three people. <laughs> I don't even think they sold 7,800 systems. <laughs> <laughs> it was like ironically, the, it was like the it was like the, the max to the millions readathon. Like they had like this whole like this whole poll in the office. It was like how high can we get? It was like a project graduation. Can we sell 7,800 systems? Yeah, they sold they sold 72. The company went out of business. Yeah. Well, now they created the Jaguar. Where did you learn to fly? And then, and then another one was Pitfall, which is right behind us, and it really took advantage of these same techniques, the animation, and I mean that's about as much as I can say about it. There were also the other thing too is what was able to get all of this information into these cartridges is they started to develop compression techniques. So these games had, you know, where you would need a cartridge size of, you know, let's just say. You know, 32 megabits. Yeah, 616 <laughs> megabits. Well, they only needed 4 megabits to get the same amount, so they could... They always used to throw that on, like, the boxes. This right. is the 16 meg game. Right, well, especially <laughs> especially with, like... We could barely fit it into the cartridge. The Master System did that on a lot of their cartridge boxes. It was, like, you know what they called it? Help! 2 mega power. Yeah. It, was just, it was 2 megabits. It was just them, like, help, buy it! Yeah, help. exactly. <laughs> Nobody was buying it. We're not buying your drivel. The first 24 meg cart. If you guys are interested in, in that kind of technical piece of it, like compression techniques and stuff, there's a guy on YouTube called Strafe Fox who goes into a lot of the compression techniques, the animation, and how they did it. I would recommend checking him out um, or her out. I don't know if that's a guy or a girl um, on YouTube and um, learn a little bit more about that. Uh, we talked about the resolution. Um, oh, Super Nintendo does not have the racing level where Woody is on RC with Buzz at the, oh, at, really? the, at the end of the game, which you would think they've got mode seven. Why don't they have that? So this is a first <laughs> person. Seven. This is a first person racing level where you're looking behind the back of Buzz and RC and Woody as they're trying to catch up with the van and um, the moving truck. And it looks like, a racing game. It looks like looks like it could be a 3D racing game from the 32-bit era in a way. Probably um, mean they'd have to reprogram it, and they probably didn't want to do that. It must have been, yeah. So they because they'd have to make it. It'd have to look totally different on the Super Nintendo than the Sega yeah. version. And the level is called Daytona. Oh, look at that pun! Yeah. Huh? So obviously they they had a, they'd have to call Daytona! it something else. Let's go away. <laughs> Daytona. <laughs> so that's a little bit about the production of the game and, and how they how they developed it. Trent, I want to know how. I want to know I wanna... if he really loves me. I say a prayer for every heartbeat. 
you can only sing songs if they come out in the year that this game came out. So anything by the dog pound you can you can you can do. But but, but that sounds like it's a lot earlier than nineteen ninety. Oh yeah. It was like ninety. Um how did you how did you play this game? Oh jeez. Actually, this is when I think the if first time about, I played if you it. You talk about Johnny Z one more time. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm going to throw you out of this, out of the game studio. Well, we won't have any more podcasts then. <laughs> jeez, let's not talk about any of the Nintendo 64 games because, jeez, I think every game we played together. Did you? Yeah. I don't know this person. And Justin Donato. I, you know, well, they live right across the street from each other. You know, did so he, well, they didn't go to school with us. No, they both went to Wyndham Tech. Oh. Right. Yeah. Um. So I I think the first time I rented this when I was living in Norwich from Shoprite. When you were living in Norwich? When I was living in Norwich. This is news to me. We've known no, each other for twenty years. You know what? I've said this years ago, and you said the same thing. Then. <laughs> well, I never listen to what you say. <laughs> you're like, wait, you lived in Norwich? And I'm like, yes, this is happening. Yeah, but I was, but but you're saying this was like, in sixth grade. I was gonna say for like, like half a year, and maybe maybe like a year or two. Okay. This is but I we, we, I remember renting it from the shop right. Talk about like Oof. they had like six games to choose from. Wow. It was like Toy Story, NBA Live, uh, Rugby '95. I think Ooh, that <laughs> killer hit. Yeah. And, Talk about seventy eight hundred copies. Yeah, but Toy Story was was one of the ones they had. And I was like, well, this is the one I'm getting because it looks amazing and. So you rented it, you were by yourself? Yeah, was it as like, usual. Was it like a weekend thing? Yeah, I think it was like a two-day thing there. The games were, It was like $2 to like rent a game there. Because oh. it's not like many people did. So before I forget this, so when I was looking at the at the uh, issue of GamePro that was talking about uh, Toy Story, there was an ad in there from Blockbuster Video. Rent a system and two games for three days for $10. Wow. Because I, I I remember renting the uh, the Sega Saturn from there, and I think it was tw- why it was twenty dollars. Well, I don't know. It, it was a coupon, so I don't know. Maybe, oh, so maybe yeah. it was like a special deal. That the they systems had. were like twenty dollars. They came in like this huge briefcase. The, the, the hard the plastic. plastic. Yeah, they were like twenty. They were the twenty or twenty five you rent for three days. What did you rent with the Saturn? <sighs> I don't know. Must have been Virtua Cop or or. You got the gun with it. Virtua. No, I I remember using the controller. Or was it Fighters Mega Mix? I might have. That, that's a banger right there. Yeah, that's a good game. Jesse Clark, he I think he rented one too. Like Blockbuster, we would just ride our bikes down to Blockbuster because it was like we were just right. Yeah, how would you get it back? Immense, yeah, we figure it away. It's not that hard. You lucky you didn't get ganked. Not on Mansfield. When you when you when you were going on Milk Street. <laughs> right. Well, that's like four miles away from where we had to go. It'd be a little bit of a detour. Gotta go through from Milk Street to West Ave. <laughs> Those are opposite ends of town. <laughs> I had to deliver a pizza on Milk Street one yeah, night. Yeah, we all did. It was scary. Because you were a little ho. So anyway, Toy Story, huh? I mean, it was a hard game. It still is hard. I know. <laughs> oh, wait, we're talking about the game? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a difficult game. I don't even remember getting past, like, maybe the third level. It's because you're not good at games. Uh, no, I know. I remember the first two levels. The first to, two to, levels, you had to, to knock out fair, the toys and get them to the end of the level, right? To be, to be fair, this is one of those games where you're going to play it for the first time. You're going to maybe get to level three. You're going to learn about yeah, the level. It's one of the mem- you're going to play again. Memorize where you're things gonna are. You're going to get a little bit farther. And it's, it's very. Re- 
at least I, as I remember it, it was it's very rewarding to go through and play more and more because you get better and better and better. It's, I mean, not to say it's Beavis and Butthead level, but it's that kind on the Genesis, but it's the same kind of, you have to memorize where things are because if you don't, you're just going to die I, I a lot. I'll go on a limb and say it's a much more fun game. Well, than, I know that, Beavis and but Butthead. I'm just saying in terms of like memorization, trying to get to remember where things are. If you make me play <laughs> Beavis and Butthead on Super Nintendo ever again, I'm abandoning our friendship. <laughs> So you rented it, but yeah, and you played it for a week, and you really liked it. Yep. And then, and I, I don't think I ever played it again. I mean, until I got it later, years right. later on the Genesis. I mean, the introduction for me, you know, going back to 1995, um, you know, my I call him my brother. He's not even a best friend. My brother, Pat Musen. Uh, we basically met in kindergarten, and we've been friends ever since. Um, Pat was. I would always be over Pat's house. I mean, like pretty much every weekend that that I could. And Pat was, he was like the PC gamer before there were PC gamers. Like his dad. He was a PC gamer? Well, so his dad worked at, I think it was, he's going to lambaste me if I'm wrong about this, but because he <laughs> listens to the podcast, but his dad worked at, I think, Computer Science Corporation. So he was like a, like an IT guy or like a computer scientist. Right. Um, Hence the computer science. Right, name. right, something like that. I'm not go- going out too far <laughs> on a limb saying that. But he had, like, a bunch of those, like, old, like, like late 80s, early 90s big box PC games. It's got to be a big box. And, and we're not even talking about, like, Windows 95. We're talking about, like, a DOS computer, like, directories and stuff type of thing. And I, I remember Pat, he never had a video game system. He had this PC, and it was kind of cool because it was, like, Nobody else had this, you know. So when you went over to his house, you knew you were going to see something you had never seen before. And he had like a Turtles game, but it wasn't Turtles the arcade game. It was, and I, I think it was called TMNT Manhattan Missions. It's for the PC. Yeah, it, it's kind of awful from the gameplay footage I've seen. If it's the if it's the game I'm thinking of, because it was a like a IBM compatible exclusive type of game. Coming like seven like diskettes. Sort of, but I think they had load. I, I I remember they had like a directory on his computer. It was like like a CGA monitor, so it had like twelve colors or whatever, or like twenty four colors. Oh jeez! It was like you know that purple and then like a like a harsh red. Oh, I know. And like that neon green. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It it did more colors than those few colors. It did real high def. Yeah, it was it was almost like an NES color scheme type of thing, but he had hard driving. Oh, jeez. And this was in, like, 1991 when I first went over his house. I remember he, he got turtles. He got actual turtles, and we raced them. They were, like, little mini ones. <laughs> he got actual turtles? We, like, raced them across the carpet. And, like, him and his brother, like, he, Pat had his turtle, and his brother Matt had his turtle, and we raced them across the carpet to see who could get to the kitchen first. Where are we going now? <laughs> we're reminiscing. <laughs> Talk about racing turtles. <laughs> I literally <laughs> forgot about that until we just started oh talking. Oh my god! About um, I think he had a game called World Class Leaderboard Golf. I mean, just like these weird, <laughs> like you, weird. I, I think he had Space Quest too. That was a, a oh, I remember game. that one. But Pat played like he played um, like Half Life on the computer. I remember going to his house and seeing that, um, like the Medal of Honor games he played later on. Yep. He had all that stuff. But in about 1994, I think he had. Him, his mom had gotten him a Genesis 2, and it was the first time I had ever seen the Genesis 2. Up until that point, I had I had never experienced that system. I actually, the first time I, there you go, 
U.S. Gold. Oh, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> that came out in the Genesis? Uh, allegedly. Anyway. Yikes. Um, the Genesis 2 came out in February of 94, and I believe that I the first time I saw it, which was after Pat had gotten it, was that like a like a Leechmere or like a Comp USA, like yeah. one of those like one of those computer oh, stores. Gee. Yeah. That Comp had, USA. And they had it, and it was in like one of those plastic containers where you couldn't get to it. It was it was displayed, where it was, yeah, it almost looked like they made it look more like legendary that way. But um, so I you know I would go over to his house and we you know we after the PC stuff was kind of done we would play some Genesis or whatever. And I remember going to his house and. The first game that I ever saw at his house that I wouldn't say I was like jealous, but we played it and it was amazing and I was like envious, like I wanted to have it was Lion King. Another yep. Disney classic game. Cook a classic. Hard hard, like not like kids can't beat it. It was a horde. But like a like a lot of fun, like really good animation, like Disney animators, that whole thing. Um really good music, you know? Just the production value of those games was just better. It was just bigger, you know, and it made those games better. And I remember, so I played that game at Pat's house. And I think that was probably late 94 because Lion King came out in November of 94. So this must've been, he might've gotten it at launch or shortly after. And I remember for Easter of 1995, I asked my mom, cause we would, the way Easter worked in my house is we all got one, like one gift, not just candy. Yeah. We all got one. I don't know. I think we, is that how you guys did it? Most most people, I think, just do candy. But we always got, we made Easter a little bit bigger, and we always got one present. And it wasn't anything big. Like, I think my brother got, like, I remember one year he got the Soundgarden album and Vitology by Pearl Jam or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was usually like a like a $20 gift or like an action figure price-wise. For so, us, something around like, there. we could get away with a video game, but that was like it, you know? Yeah. And so you could juice it a little bit and get like a $50 video game. That's White Easter. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You mean like white chocolate, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, and I remember getting Lion King for Easter. Set it off. And just being like so excited to play that game. And Pat introduced me to Lion King. So it was, again, the same kind of thing. He Oh. He've had Brutal Paws of Fury, which is a Oof. horrible, <laughs> horrible. It is game. brutal. Like, dude, why did you ask for Brutal Paws of Fury when you could have gone for Super Street Fighter Two? Hey, if you don't know, you don't know. Again, ninety four, <laughs> ninety five. You know, it's could have been on the discount rack. You know, yeah. he also he introduced me to World Series Baseball, which told me I never want to play World Series Baseball. Wow, then not a fan. I I never understood the the batting mechanism, like. You're you're up to bat and the ball it's like a first person view yeah and you're but like you're swinging but you don't know where at least with like those top down games like baseball and Nintendo or or like sports talk baseball the ball comes through the strike zone as long as you swing you're gonna make contact the World Series baseball game there was no cursor or anything you just kind of had to swing when the ball was sort of in frame yeah and hope that he hit it so I never really understood the whole pitching I liked mechanism. it. That was one of my favorite baseball games. I mean, really? Griffey. Griffey was the top, but I I liked all the World Series games. Did you have them? Yeah. Or one of them. I think it was 95. Mm. I think he had the original when it came out. 90. I mean, they're all from 94. Similar. They're all pretty much the same. Yeah. I think one of them had was it Manny Ramirez on it in 95? Or 
I think there was a, a Cleveland Indian on it, one of them. It, it could have. It could have. Oh, by the way, uh, I counted 24 baseball games on a Sega Genesis <laughs> over over nine different publishers. So there might have been actually like two series per publisher, but nine different publishers from like Flying Edge. Remember Flying Edge? Yeah, because they made uh, the wrestling games. Flying Edge. Yeah, they did the WrestleMania games. Um, they, they did the Double Dragon. Sony. Too. Yeah, Sony Image Soft was another one. And then you had Tengen with RBI Baseball. Acclaim did did uh, Big, Hurt. Big Hurt. So we were talking about this last podcast, and I was like, I got to look up and see how many. And the Genesis, for the most part, was around for like five, six years. So you're talking about like four to five baseball games a year. You know, talk about crowding a market. But it was a similar thing for, for Toy Story. So I remember going to Pat's house and seeing Toy Story and, again, being blown away by a game that, which I said, how does the Genesis keep getting better? Like, how does it? How do they keep making better and better games on this? And that was one of them that, sadly, I never got. But when I was at Pat's house, I, I, I really enjoyed the time playing. He had, like, this little, like, 9 or 12-inch TV in his room with, like, rabbit ears. And, oh, which we played up until the Dreamcast at, at, in his room. I think the standard for everyone, I think everyone, every just about everyone I knew, everyone had a 13-inch TV in their room. Yeah, Sylvania. That, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't o- hate on Sylvania. O- Orion. Yeah. Dude, I think everybody o- had Owinko or whatever it was, was like, that brand. If you were a kid and you had a nineteen inch TV in your room, like you <laughs> you had a lot of things going on. I don't I don't I remember everyone I think I had a thirteen inch TV in my room for like ten years. Oh yeah. It's like everyone had it. The only way I got I got a nineteen inch Toshiba was because it was like my grandma's hand me down, like she had got Ooh. a new one and I got the nineteen inch one. Yeah. Oh man, I thought I'd made it then. I when you go from a thir- well, a thirteen inch TV to a, a nineteen inch TV, that's huge. I remember when this just reminded me when when you got a PlayStation Two, and you had gotten your mom had moved to Chaplin, and you had you had gotten the S video cords for your PlayStation Two, and you were showing me. Uh, oh, yeah. you were showing me Virtua, Virtua uh, that Tennis. Was, I think that was the Sylvania, too. You were showing me Virtua Tennis, and I was blown away <laughs> by how much better the S-Video cords looked. Oh, dude, yeah, S-Video cords, and when you had a, if you had a... a CRT. A, a CRT flat screen, a CRT. Dude. Whew. Picture was crisp. Money, dude. Even, Seriously. like, even when you hooked up your DVDs and everything with the S-Video. Yeah. Man, that was a it was a really good quality. That technology just just worked really well. I mean, it, yeah, I, but playing like PS2 games and everything. I've got a, on I've that, got a discussion. Quality I, was I've got tight. a discussion about next. We're gonna do next podcast. This is we're running too long, but I want to. I'm gonna be talking about CRTs versus modern setups and just kind of my thoughts after doing all this stuff and kind of going back and forth. Just kind of my perspective about it. But mm-hmm, we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get there. But needless to say. Um, you know, big thank you to Pat for uh, you know kind of introducing me to those those games because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have had a history with them and they were they were you know and then and then and then I got into PlayStation right, right after that so I really didn't go back to the Genesis after about you know 1990 late 1995 so I mean middle of I think June of 96 I got my PlayStation one. So at that point, Genesis was over for me. It was like, oh yeah, it was like a hard stop. Uh, I think I had sold. I think I ended up selling mine when I got a PlayStation. Oh, you got a PlayStation? Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty much right after it came out. I <laughs> oh, here we go. We got it at KB, in the first uh, <laughs> talk about not knowing what was going on. I got a Criticom. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Because it was probably discounted. 
Yeah, because it couldn't have been like when it first came out. It had to be like a little bit after. I think it had gone up through a price drop, maybe like a fifty dollar price drop or something. Yeah. And some of the games were like sixty or fifty anymore. They were kind of like thirty and forty at KB. So that was like one of the games I got. And I, I think I had, I had that. Did you instantly like? <sighs> yeah. Or were you wild? By, were rough. you wild by the three D no. and just said because my? I feel like I should say I have other stories about the PlayStation. All right, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll hold on to them. So um, right now we're gonna. Uh, take a little interlude, let you guys listen to a commercial, and we're going to come back and uh, give you our thoughts on both of these versions of the game and what we think of them, and um, if we think that it's uh, reasonable for you guys to go out and give these guys, these uh, games a shot and look for them and, uh, and play them, because uh, that's what this podcast is all about. Stay tuned. And now, a word from our sponsors. There's a new hero in town, a whirlwind of action that's positively... Okay! Yes, dare to wear the mask! From zero to hero, the mask is one lean green crime-fighting machine. He's a hard-hitting superhero! As he battles the evil mask-stealing Dorian. He's a quick-draw dude with maskitude! Eye-popping crime stopping are just killing time! Even Milo's putting a bite on crime! Dare to wear the mask! Somebody stop me! Figures each sold separately. Thanks for bearing with us, folks. We are back from our break. Hopefully you enjoyed the commercial break. And now it's time for our discussion of Toy Story and our experience with the game in 2019. Trenton, what were your thoughts about this game? My uh, thoughts uh, and g- prayers gen- as usual. Gen- let's start with a general thought about <clears throat> Toy Story, and then we'll go into the differences between the two uh, versions of the game themselves. But how does this game compare to when you played it when you were a kid and do you think it's fun do you think it's enjoyable what do you like about it what do you not like about it and compare and contrast and then we'll uh, talk about what you like and what you didn't like we'll get to recommendations it's it's about the same as i remember it maybe because it's it's hard to say i like because i did play it like not that long ago, like less than a year ago. And here's the difference. On the Genesis version. I'm going to let out a, a quick little secret that I didn't tell you. Ooh. <laughs> I beat both versions of these games last week. I beat both of them. So, I've got more experience lately with them, <laughs> um, just playing them for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, I, I can give my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. I Well, just off the, the playing both of them briefly... I think the Super Nintendo one plays a little bit better, but it, it feels like it's maybe a little bit easier on certain parts. Like when you face Buzz Lightyear, knocking the uh, whatever the little the orbs around them or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. like knocking those off and then shooting his laser. It was just like one, two, three, and that was it. It was like the Genesis version is a little more hard. He's moving around more. Mm-hmm. His laser, the laser on the Super well, Nintendo he come one, at, he doesn't come at you. In, yeah. in that in that boss fight, in, like in the in the Genesis version, he comes at you. And in the Super Nintendo one, he does it. And the laser in the Super Nintendo one is just like this little... It's like zip, And then there's like a full beam on right. the Genesis version. So it's a little bit more difficult to avoid it. But, how, but what about the, the platforming elements? The, you know, the fighting of the enemies? You know, the the, the jumping, the moment-to-moment gameplay? What, what are your thoughts about that piece of it? It's... Because I like Toy Story so much, it's kind of hard. It's, I mean, I guess it's just kind of your. It's kind of standard like 
platforming kind of stuff, but just because it's Toy Story, I kind of, you know, it sways my opinion on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the there are some weird in the Super Nintendo version as compared to the Genesis version. You're kind of more just like guess jumping on certain stuff, where you can't really <laughs> you can't really see where you're gonna land. But that's attributed to the sizing difference yeah, the, between the two consoles. The stretching. And you didn't get that far playing, but that's because you haven't played it in a while. And I think you got three or four levels in on each on each version. Yeah, I got to the RC car and version those, and, in, uh, and, Super and those are the easier stages. As you get later into this game, the real estate of the left and right parts of the screen are, become that much more important because it starts becoming a lot more intense. Right. And that's where you see the separation of those two, the, the two versions. I mean, for me, the moment-to-moment gameplay is very satisfying. You know, I mean, I, I love Toy Story just like you do. But the moment-to-moment gameplay, it, the game is hard because things are flying. Even on the Genesis version. So those with, damn planes. The planes are coming at you. <laughs> and there's the, there's and the trains, trains rolling underneath. The Triz names, actually. Um... So you're you're dealing with you got the the balloons that are popping with flies and and little little uh, steel balls coming you out. I think of they them. might be good, but they're not. And so there's obstacles and and things that can hurt you sort of all over the place. So you have to be very very deliberate with your with your movements in this game. You have to be very slow, very calculated, no matter what part it is. But as you play this game more and more and you realize, okay, I know where this is. I know what's coming up here. And then you time your jumps a certain way. There's a, a cadence and, and a progression of this game as you play it more and more where you start to really enjoy it. And it's 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 that thing where you like it more and more because of the fact that you're accomplishing it. If you, if you played this game one time, you rented it for one night, and you played it once and it was like, you know, you died you, you you might say you know this game this game's too hard you know or or you think it sucks because it's too hard but it's again like we were saying it's it goes back to like if you just keep playing this game over and over again you get a little bit farther a little bit farther a little bit farther you learn how to how to position yourself like in that Buzz Lightyear fight on Genesis he's kind of coming towards you he's got the orbs flying and you're not sure okay how far can my pull string go yeah and you were kind of positioning yourself sort of like under him and getting whacked. You know, left and right. So, but you learned from that. If you played that a second time, you'd say, "Okay, now I know kind of where I have to position myself to get past him." And and it, it becomes a breeze. It honestly becomes a breeze after that. You know, as you as you as you you know play this game more and more. So, in terms of the moment to moment gameplay, I think it's a lot of fun. It is difficult, but it's very rewarding when you go back to this game. It's it's very responsive. When we talk about like the control. The control is very, very responsive. The when you use the pull string on the hooks to like in the race with Buzz. Yeah, you that's just, one you gotta kind of. See, I had you more. You kind of gotta go a little bit slow because sometimes the, the sharks will pop out. Right. So you gotta you gotta time your Again, jumps or very, hit them. Very deliberate with that yeah. with that piece of it. I had a lot of trouble on the Super Nintendo with the hooks. I couldn't just mash the button, mash the the pull string button, because I was missing the hooks. So I had to like jump and then stop myself and line myself up in the middle of the midair. To hit the hook again, you didn't have trouble with that though. You you were doing that just as well as you were on the Genesis version. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it didn't seem any different. Yeah, but you know, like the first level, it's you know you're 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 getting the army guys out and getting the the baby monitor, and then you're helping move, the, move, you're, move. Yeah, yeah, go move <laughs> it. And then you're getting the toys back in the chest, and then you're racing. But so there's there's different things. They keep it fresh, but in terms of even if you're platforming, 
different things within the platforming level that you can be doing when when it's that. Um, and then later on in the game, you go to the arcade, <clears throat> Pizza Planet. Yeah. And you're trying to avoid the soda cans that are falling out of the machine as... Um, I do remember as, that level. As, as boys and girls are going left and right, and you have to... You're in the uh, soda can or the soda container, the fountain drink, and you have to you have to go down, so that they don't hit you, so that you don't you don't get a, a star point taken away. Yeah. In the meantime, Buzz is behind you walking, so you have to keep in front of him because if he catches up with you, you lose a life. And the one thing about this game and why you will die and why you will have to start over, three lives, no continues. <laughs> and it just it just goes to right game over. Game over. Now, right back to the beginning. There are these ten stars in each level, and if you get all fifty, you get an extra life. Yeehaw! And when you get three hundred stars cumulatively, three hundred, you get an extra continue, and you need that extra continue. There's, it's almost, um, there's no way to be continue is life, huh? It's a continue is life, right? Um, when I pl- and when I played, so the, the Genesis version, I've probably beat I don't know four or five times, <laughs> and. and you know, lately I played it again. Um, the Super Nintendo one, they work a little bit differently. Uh, when you get a continue, or when you when you lose a, um, uh, a round of lives in the Genesis version, the st- the ten stars restart, so you're back at zero. In the Super Nintendo version, they stay where you had them. So if you were close to getting a- another continue, let's say you had five hundred and fifty stars, yeah you would get another continue right afterwards, where in the Genesis version, it would start you back at zero, so you'd have to get 300 additional ones. But the Super Nintendo game, in my opinion, is is much harder. It's like the, it's like the, it's like the hard mode, because as you get later into this game, and you get into Sid's room, Sid's room has these mechanical spiders. It's got yo-yos that are coming down when you're, when you're uh, doing this high wire segment. And because there's less resolution on the screen, everything is cut off. You don't know what jumps you're making, where you're going. You had trouble, or even in the yeah. early going, you're like, "Where am I jumping to?" And I'm like, "Well, you got to <laughs> jump to the right and make a leap of faith. It's there, but you, you gotta, just don't know it." Yeah, you just got to do it, and that's one of those things where you kind of, if you like a, a punishing difficulty with the game, that's the one, that's the addition to go for because you're gonna get punished and you're gonna learn for it, and then, and then yeah, at least have, in the... to, have to memorize it. The Super Nintendo is not unplayable. The game is is, no. you know, it's it's a it's it's a very playable game, but it's 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 harder, especially for those later segments. The hardest level, in my opinion, in the game is not hard because of what you're doing. It's because how you're punished if you fail, and that's when you're in the claw and you have to pick up. You have to knock Buzz off of the claw when the oh, claw's yeah. trying yeah, to pick I, him up. I forget about that. You have to use your pull string to hit an alien up, and then. Hit it again in midair so it knocks like bounces, buzzes. right? Yeah. And if you miss, it's gone and you lose a life. <laughs> Jeez. So you can go through three lives like, just like that. Game over. And this is after you've been through inside the claw, really inside the claw, where you take the aliens and you get really inside the claw. So there are some really punishing points of this game where you where you really got to be careful and you just got to be willing to start start the game over. But if you're willing to do that. This is one of those games that's just a ton of fun, and when you when you accomplish that goal and you beat the game, it's so rewarding, and it, and it becomes a special game. It is for us at least when when you you know think back on it and how finally you think on it because you had to play this game multiple times and it, it endeared you to the game because you wanted to keep playing as hard as it was and as stubborn as it was. 
um, it was still enjoyable. The platforming is really good. It, the controls are really responsive. So even when you fail, okay, you know, next time you go, you have total control over your over your character that you're going to be able to make that jump the next time. I mean, this game is way more impressive for the Genesis than the Super Nintendo because the Super Nintendo is a much more capable system. Yeah, it, it can it can kind of quasi do like pseudo 3D. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those first levels, yellow, blue, and brown. Oh, on the Genesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the one thing is the Super Nintendo one is way more colorful. Yeah, it's, it, it's a much prettier game to look. Yeah, at. it's definitely more vibrant. Like because I played the Genesis version and we switched over to the Super Nintendo version. Like right away, it's just a more it, it is brighter. It's appealing uh, in that but, way. I mean, it's not it that doesn't really change the game that no. much. But yeah, it is it definitely looks a little the, bit better. The Genesis one is easier but the, the fact the, that the, it, the, f- the further you go into it though cuz you can see way more as you Yeah, going. but the fact that they, they they got it to look the way it does on the Genesis version is amazing. It's it's <laughs> it's just highly commendable. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's going to be your No more amazing, it's highly commendable. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, um, so you get through Sid's room, and there's the hot, hot, hot segment where he burns you, and that's another one where, without that real estate on the left and right of the screen, there's these yo-yos, these spiked yo-yos coming yo-yo down. Yo-yo And you're just gonna run it. You you have to do this like click clack, like back and forth on your on your D-pad to get Woody to keep going back and forth because you need to just go a little bit further on to see what's coming up oh, before you yep. you run. And then you gotta let out the fire on the um, on the on the cereal, the old cereal bowl. But um, then there's the Scud level, which is the same kind of thing. You're on Roller Bob and trying to get away from Scud at the same time. And then you get to the Daytona, Daytona level. Daytona. Which that's another one you guys gotta take take a look at because you're looking at it and you're saying, how is this possible on a Genesis? It just doesn't make any sense that they'd be able to do this. I mean, it's a 3D. Well, I don't know if they're using polygons, but it's three dimensional. I mean, they're scaling like into the into the screen. Think, How they do that? Which which you couldn't do on the Genesis, like three D scaling. I mean, that's. And then the last level is I I said that they had a shooter segment. You're not shooting anything, but you're moving forward and avoiding the cars and the trucks and the um, uh, red, yellow, and green. What? The lamps, the, the, uh, the stop, stop oh, lights. traffic light. Traffic light. Listen to me. <laughs> um, and that's the part where you where you land into the van, and um, and then and then it's the end of the game. So there's there's just quite a few different segments. Again, it's just very satisfying. I, I highly recommend this game. Um, do you know how much this game costs? Oh, on, now on, on eBay. Um, I believe. Because well, I don't know how much a complete copy is, but the Toy Story one I I got for six or seven. Yeah, because I was gonna say yeah, look, just the card itself on either one is about like seven, seven, eight dollars. Absolutely, all worth every penny of that. Either either version. It's a hard seven. I would say if if you're not as adept with platformers or you just want a little bit easier of a go, especially later in the game, go for the Genesis version. It's the it's the version that was made for it, it's the it's the game that was designed that way it was designed for the genesis and then they ported it to super nintendo that's the one I, it, it's more is, impressive by on, uh, genesis well it is it's got the extra level and it's also the one that's more regarded as the better version because it wasn't just chopped and screwed like screwed like the super up. the super super nes is called more colorful um they both 
play about the same, but because you lose that resolution, it just kind of looks a little stretched out and you lose a lot of that screen real estate later on in the game and it, it makes it punishingly difficult. If you like punishingly difficult platformers um, and, you're, and you're willing... You don't have a Genesis. If, then. You're, if you're willing to... Yeah, or you don't have a Genesis and you're willing to, to you know go through that, then I, I can't not recommend the Super Nintendo. I had a lot of fun with the Super Nintendo one. I was actually more satisfied getting through the Super Nintendo one, understanding how difficult that was. So if you like really difficult platformers, this is a that, that version is, is the one to go for. But, yeah, and luckily it's not one of those... Uh, not like a fifty or sixty dollar game, you know. Ristar? <laughs> no, <laughs> Ristar is like thirty. Is it really? Yeah. In box, it's ridiculous. Oh. It's like in the hundreds. Yeah, it's weird. That like usually because it was card. It was the cardboard box. That's why. No, I know, but still, the the box. Uh, yeah, I have. I did look that up recently. Where the I'm like, wait, this it can't be right because they had like loose cards for like thirty or forty, I know. and then it was people like a hundred fifty dollars for inbox. I'm like, yeah, just get the, the loose card. Just get the loose card. That's one I've never played before. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so you know, play the play this game, get it, play it because it's uh, it's good. It's, it's no Beavis and Butthead, certainly, <laughs> especially on Super Nintendo. Right. So just imagine you were back in '95 and the first Toy Story had just came out. Yeah. This, did they even? I don't. Did, did they give up on the Toy Story? Did they? They didn't make a Toy Story four game, did they? No, I don't think so. But, but but they're not making licensed games really anymore. Hmm. That's not really a thing, you know. There was no would, Zo- there was would, no Zootopia game. You would think they'd kind of uh, cash in on the nostalgia and maybe like I don't know remaster the original Toy Story or make a new Toy Story four that was similar to this one. Well, they did make the Toy Story three toy box, which ended up turning into sort of like the Disney Infinity games, but those fell by the wayside a few years ago. I feel the, the only one I remember. I had never played it, the, like the Toy Story and the Wii. It's like, it's like, in like a bunch of mini games, I think. Yeah. Toy Story Mania? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 64. Was that with Buzz Lightyear? Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Right. <clears throat> we, um, is it kind of like Donkey Kong, kind of? It's, it's, a, it's a collect-a-thon yeah. made by Traveler's Tales, same company. John Burton pro, uh, programmed it. That version is a lot of fun if you like, like uh, Banjo-Kazooie or Super Mario 64 yeah. or, or any one of those... Conquer's Bad Fur Day. It's you know kind of like what's cool about it is, is like you're in the house and you're running around the house as Buzz Lightyear with everything. Yeah, like I remember playing looking that one. massive. It's actually a lot of fun. It's uh, it's mundane. You know, if if you like a slower paced game where you're you know collecting all the Bo Peep's sheep or you know you get trying to go to get all the tokens and find out where they are and do a boss fight and you know that kind of thing. I really like it. Liz and I played it a number of years ago and we actually. Uh, tried it out again. We we got through the first level and got all the, you know, got all the requirements or whatever. It's just it's just one of those games that's fun if you just want to hang out and not be too stressed while playing a video game. <laughs> Toy Story Two is actually really good, and I think that it was on PS One, sixty four, and Dreamcast. And I mean, either one is is probably fine. I would I would say go for either the sixty four version or the Dreamcast version if you can, if you have a sixty four, because. I mean, obviously, I would assume the Dreamcast would be the definitive version. It is. It's. It is. It's got like you can do it in 480p and VGA, and if you got a VGA box. But if not, I mean, the 64 one is just as good. You know, the PS1's got a lot of that warping. You know that that PS1 is known for, and the graphics. The triangles. Yeah, just just <laughs> like the like the walls are like wobbly and stuff like yeah. that. You know, um, it's. I, I would say Toy Story One is more of a passion 
for Traveler's Tales, and they were they were more successful with that game. Um, but Toy Story Two is fun if you like the collectathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's about it as far as Toy Story is concerned. So if you guys have uh, any thoughts about Toy Story, any any stories that you want to share, feel free to um, you know we we posted and we're gonna post about uh, the release of this game. When you see that, post a story, post a, a memory, you know, just something quick about this game if you did play it as a kid and uh, what your experiences were. Who were you playing it with? What was going on in your life? You know, that's what this podcast is all about. So, What's really going on? Um, and then if you have other suggestions about what games we, we should play or what you'd like to see on the podcast, feel free to send us an email or uh, hit us up on Instagram and give us a suggestion. We'd be happy to, to cover games that, uh, that you guys had in your history and your past that you want to see covered or you want to learn a little bit more about the history of that game and how it was developed um we'd be happy to cover it for you um we are at the turbo duo at gmail.com and at the turbo duo on instagram and on facebook what is the uh how do they find us on facebook Trent? same deal the turbo duo if you're looking on uh on youtube uh, try the, the Turbo Duo podcast or the Turbo Duo cast uh, to try to find us. It's hard to find us if you just plug in the Turbo Duo because you're just going to find a lot of information about the Turbo Graphics 16. Yeah, but if, if you just go onto our Instagram page and then just click the link on there, it kind of goes to our Podbean feed. And I have I put the links for all our the YouTube and iTunes right on there. So you can just click. It's two clicks. I know it's a lot of work. Two clicks will get you to everything. Mm. And um, with nothing else, thank you guys so much for listening. Be safe, be happy, be healthy, and keep it retro. Oh, yeah.